All right, and we're live. Welcome back to the Loopcast. Today, joined as always by Josh and Erica, my co-hosts. And it's someone's birthday, I think. I don't know if we want to start the show with that. Josh, uh, happy birthday. You're 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 wiser. Happy birthday, Josh. How are you feeling? I mean, some people say I don't look a day over 47, but I literally am a day over 47. Yeah. <laughs> so that'd be a good guesser. Uh, I, I texted you for your birthday on your birthday plans. I don't know if you want to reveal if it's too personal, but what'd you do for your birthday? Dude, I, not personal. So, I mean, how you celebrate with great feast. Uh, I smoked a, a ton of ribs and uh, my wife, my lovely wife made me some, uh, some dessert. That wasn't too sugary, you know. Got to try the lower carb stuff. So peanut butter pie. Oh, Good. yum! I love all things peanut butter. It's great. So, so I mean, and and then like people are like, what about your gifts? And I, I mean, for what, gifts for forty seven. Well, Josh, you did get a gift. I did you get got, one gift. You got a I gift from the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. Oh yes, this is wrapped in a bow. Let me tell yeah, so, you what. So let's just get right to it. You know, the the Senate, both Republicans and Democrats, really wanted to give Josh a nice birthday present on Sunday evening. They decided to reveal what was in the the border bill, the the oh, much boy. awaited, uh, a lot of shrouded mystery border bill, and uh, some people were upset. Let's put it that way. And uh, we're here to talk about it. We we saw it at the same time as everyone else. We saw it Sunday night, texting around about it, and so we've had last night and this morning to look over the contents of the bill. And so I think we want to kind of go over, I was basically telling people because people were so upset about it. I wanted to actually get a good faith argument from the other side, from Senator Lankford, who Josh is a noted not fan of, uh, and some other people associated with this bill. What what could possibly be the reasons why this might be a good thing? And so I went and and collected some of those and and I want to share them here. But First, I mean, just general reactions from you guys. What, what were your first reactions when seeing this, the contents of the bill? Yeah, I mean, it just, it kind of confirmed. We, we'd actually already known some of what was in the bill and um, we'd covered it in a couple of internal uh, emails and, and everything. So we knew about this like 5,000 number, about uh, the 5,000 allowed over the border every day. And that goes to 1.825 million. So a lot of the language in the bill ended up confirming just how bad we knew it was going to be. Um, not to like, that's a happy thing. Like, oh, look, we were right. I'd rather be wrong about something like this. But yeah, it was, it, it, that, that was my first reaction was like, well, yep, it is what it is. So nothing, nothing earth shattering there. Josh? Well, and again, it's like 5,000 a day over the course of the week, 35,000. Then mm-hmm. it would be an emergency for which the president could declare the border to be an emergency. Now, wait a minute. That's what it would take to become an emergency? So I believe and that's actually technically inaccurate, Josh, just, just so I could clarify. it w- There would be an automatic mechanism built into the bill if it reaches an average of 5,000 right. uh, cross mm-hmm. 5,000 illegal asylum seekers um, on average for a week. And then it would automatically trigger this. However, the issue is, is that in the bill, it says President Biden, if he feels the need to, he can reverse that emergency at any point in time. Exactly. Loopholes. It's it's setting a standard that this is what we consider an emergency to be, right? Right. 35,000 over the course of a week. 5,000. 5,000 a day, 35,000 over a week, right? An average, average of 5,000 a day. Yeah. Right. Over seven days. 
35,000. I don't know why this is hard. Math 101. Get out your iPhone. <laughs> so the point, though, is that 5,000 a day is what's now the new emergency. It's the new normal for them, right? When, if you look back at the Obama administration, which wasn't that long ago, the Homeland Security Secretary, Jay Johnson, said 1,000 a day was a crisis. And so now we're just accepting the fact that five times worse for seven days in a row. Now that's a problem. Yeah. Now that's a crisis. So this is what I'm getting at. Like these, the people in Washington is horrible. And of course, as soon as this language came out, it confirmed, like Erica said, everything that we've been warning about over the last three weeks and the supporters of this bill, like Langford, Mitch McConnell and all the Democrats are like, no, that's not in the bill. What are you talking about? And then it's all in the bill. It's in the bill. You can see it now. Right. And, <laughs> it's there. And the, and the Chamber of Commerce took about 17 seconds to endorse it because they love cheap labor, you know, so they're all in favor of this bill. The, the economics of illegal immigration crush the working poor and the middle class. They don't care if you're the Chamber of Commerce. They want cheap labor. And Democrats love cheap votes. So it's it's a lose-lose for the American people. And it's a win-win for the folks in the Beltway. Yeah, the line that really jumped out uh, from one of the apologists for the bill, my own Connecticut senator, uh, Chris Murphy, he comes out with a long Twitter thread explaining how this bill is going to be so great. It's really robust. It's, I think Biden called it the most robust immigration reform in decades. I'm like, what, what decade? Where, where have you been? But uh, Senator Murphy, he goes, uh, a requirement for the president to funnel asylum claims to the land ports of entry, blah, 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 when more than 5,000 people cross a day. And then he goes, the border never closes but claims must be processed, dot, dot, dot. And of course, that the border never closes line sort of really sums up what the bill is. And to me, I'm like, if you can close, if you can have this emergency shutdown at 5,000, why not an emergency shutdown at 3,000? Or for Josh's number under Obama, 1,000. Why this 5,000 number? And to me, it's just, it's so frustrating that they continue to say things like, well, we need this bill because President Biden doesn't have the capability to do anything until he gets a special bill from Congress that allows him to actually address the border crisis. And it's just, it's so frustrating because he already has that. I mean, he spent the first three weeks in office reversing every Trump administration border security measure that he could get his hands on. And with the same flip of the pen, he could do the same thing in reverse. He doesn't need this. And it's certainly the American people certainly don't need this. Yeah. If, if I may, because we're, we're getting into the, the border section of the bill, which of course was the most talked about. I mean, right. we're not even talking about the money breakdown here first. So Nighthawk, I have a good, in that Google document, I have a good money breakdown right. of where all the money's all going. The if you money. want to throw that up. So mm -hmm. we're talking about, this is a, they, they like to keep saying bipartisan agreement. So both parties have decided they want to spend $118 billion of taxpayer funding in this bill. Okay. So 60 billion of this is going to uh, support Ukraine. And by support, I have some more breakdowns of exactly what support means, but I mean, that 60 billion just jumps off the pages. Did you know, did you notice that Senator Mike Lee from Utah noted that that would be more spending that we do on uh, for Ukraine in this bill than we spend on the on our own United States Marine Corps. Right, for, for, a bigger for budget. One year. In the I believe we spend about fifty eight billion on the Marines per year. This would be more <laughs> than we spend insane. on the Marines. Crazy. Uh, so we'd be sending fourteen billion for security assistance in Israel as well, which is already. I mean, these are these are this isn't monopoly money. This is a lot of money. So this all comes before we even talk about 
spending on our own country, which should just already be thrown out as treasonous. I, I, dare I say treasonous? Well, but go ahead, Mercer. I, I like how we get security assistance in Israel, but we can't get security assistance in our own country on our <laughs> southern border. So, and again, it gets to the the Mitch McConnell doesn't care about the border. Mitch McConnell wants this bill so he can get the money for Ukraine and Israel. That's what he cares about. And he would be happy to get rid of the whole immigration stuff and just have a bill to give a ton of money to the Ukraine and Israel. That's his focus. And it makes you wonder, why is he leading the Senate Republicans anymore? And in fact, it was nice to see Senator Mike Lee say it's time for new leadership in the Senate. Uh, and he means Senate Republicans. Uh, he thinks this bill is horrible. And that's why, and we're actually starting to see, like, uh, you know, when it comes to Senate leadership, we're starting to see some of the icebergs move. So here's what's going on we have w one member of the Senate leadership on the Republican side, Senator Daines out of Montana, came out against the bill. So that's a good sign. And also, John Cornyn, who's super liberal Republican and pro amnesty guy, I'm, just because he's pro life doesn't mean I give him a pass on this other stuff. John Cornyn, I don't like at all. But he even said this bill raises serious concerns with the immigration provisions in it. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Wow. Even John Cornyn's not super happy with this. this. So it tells me that this bill is in serious trouble. And in fact, there's staffers from uh, Senator Lankford's office. He's the Oklahoma Republican who's pushing this bill, this terrible immigration thing. People in Lankford's office are desperate. They're desperate to get people to sign off and issue public statements in favor of this bill, but they're not getting anybody to do it. And all these other Republican senators are like, if I support this bill, which is going nowhere, by the way, in the House, the Republican-led House is not going to touch this with a 10-foot pole. So Senate Republicans are like, why would I touch this? Why would I do this? Mike Johnson said it's dead on arrival. Um, yeah. So he's already the House. Yeah. yeah. So – yeah, and I, I think we don't even really get into all the minutia as, I mean, we can. We talk about immediate work permits for illegal aliens already in the country right now, taxpayer-funded lawyers for illegals, uh, $1.3 billion for shelters and needs, uh, $60 billion to Ukraine, 14 to Israel, $10 billion to human, humanitarian aid in Gaza, the West Bank, and then $5 billion to the Indo-Pacific region. I mean, in terms of money breakdown, of course, that's all ridiculous. I think I just need to say it as a non-starter. It's, it's treason to be spending more in other countries than we are on our own problems right now. Uh, but I think if you get into the specifics of the mechanics, I think what's frustrating about it is that we've really been lied to about this bill. And, and Mike Lee is right about this. We could have seen the text on this bill weeks ago, months 100%, ago, but it's being right. released on a Sunday evening right before votes need to be held on it, of course. And we're talking about a 370-page document. So, I mean, I read through a decent amount of it, but at the same time, it's 370 pages. It's all legalese. Um, and the way that it's been phrased is frustrating. It's been phrased as ending catch and release. Of course, that's only half true, maybe not even half true. It's just changing which groups will be caught and released. There's new groups now that are going to be caught and released. So exactly. it doesn't end that. Uh, it's changing the asylum-seeking process. Um, one of the, the arguments that tweak. I saw... Minor tweak to asylum, but that was like the big, oh, this is progress. Big leaf. Was uh, because right now, how the asylum process works is you will go to the border, uh, claim asylum. You're already coached by coyotes how to basically say the right things to be taken in as asylum. So people aren't crossing the border and just running off. They're going straight to US Customs and Border to claim asylum. It's already the big difference. And so what happens is you could be given a year to 10 years to show up to a court date 
to basically confirm, are you here for asylum or not? So what the bill's claiming it's going to do is create a special um, asylum system to hear all these claims within six months, which of course sounds positive. But who are we putting that responsibility in the hands of? Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, who is currently about to get impeached by the Senate, the DHS no, is completely by, abused. By the House, by the House, by the House, by, by the House, right? So, uh, but we're putting it in the hands of people that clearly have no respect for the sovereignty of America. So it's kind of like, oh well, we changed this, but at the same time, it's like, well, Biden can just override it any second, and we're putting it in charge of Mayorkas, who's literally about to get impeached. So it, it's uh, it's frustrating, I think, to many Americans that just wanted to see a very clear, simple solution to the problem. And of course, anytime you play games with uh, bipartisan stuff, turns out no one really is happy. And I think that's why many people feel betrayed right now. That's why I feel betrayed right now. It's like we elect these people for solutions, not to basically exacerbate the problem and then, you know, handshake, we're all doing a great job type thing. JD Vance has been good on this. Uh, he yeah. zeroed in on that line that you said, Erica, like this doesn't close the border. And then of course, everyone else latched onto it because that's all that people really want. If someone would have just said this closes the border, I think people really would have been happy. But of course, right. there's like too much hubris to even say that, you know? Right. If, right. This, if, this, if this were about the border, why would they increase worker visas in this bill? Like, what does that have to do with border stuff? And it just shows that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce wants cheaper workers. That's what that's about. And the fact is there are elements of this bill that could engender bipartisan support like if you really just want to make it about border security forget the five thousand a day for an emergency forget about the worker visas ryan gurdusky says just just change the definition of asylum to increase it to a credible fear have border wall funding and tighten those rules around around parole and then just do that and be done but everything right. in washington they always want the comprehensive deal to try to get a million things done. And that's actually bad politics because there's no, no one believes Washington, right? No one believes them to get this stuff done. They always say you have to do comprehensive reform. That's what our U.S. bishops keep calling for, comprehensive reform. Why do it? Try, why do it comprehensive? Politicians love to say, well, we solved it because we threw everything in, in the kitchen sink into a bill, called it comprehensive, and then we can walk away from it and never have to deal with it again. No, why don't you take care of the three or four most important things right away, fix that, and then next year, two or three more, and just take it one year at a time. You can't try to solve a million things at once. Try to do some sm small things first, like, I don't know, secure the border with the <laughs> secure border wall, tighten the parole, change the asylum criteria, do some right. certain things like that first. And I think this is an ongoing frustration, like you're saying, Josh, this whole comprehensive thing. It's not just about the border or about foreign spending or about, you know, a budget bill, but it's that every single time you have these massive bundles of everything. I mean, I can think of like a five page bill that would address everything Josh just said that anyone with a brain could read in 20 minutes and then you implement it. And instead it's like, and we're going to put all of our Israel funding in here and we're going to put all our Ukraine funding in here and all this and those and you just keep well, ending up with these massive things that are that are ineffective and at worst i mean they're they're meaningless to the point that anyone can come in who's in a, in a seat of power like a Mayorkas or a biden and use it the way they want to use it so well, that's again the game, right I mean, yeah, that is the game it's totally game, the game game is basically time it's a power game in, into the bill that have nothing to do with what people actually want and then when you oppose it they'll say well you don't support israel oh you exactly. don't support ukraine 
oh, you don't support the fentanyl detection that we put in. I actually saw uh, a Democrat staffer basically say, oh, man, House GOP wants to be on record opposing fentanyl detection devices to be sent to the border. And it's like, I guess the straw ban arguments, I feel like, aren't working anymore. I think okay. people are too angry. People know the problem. Not. And Tom, you said, wouldn't it be nice to have some sort of common sense legislation that could get some support? Like, what if we had a bill that required the Department of Homeland Security to resume activities to construct a wall on the border? Like, let's say you prohibited, you know, DHS from processing the entry of non-U.S. nationals uh, arriving between ports of entry. What if you limited asylum eligibility? What, if, you know, just certain things that you could do to try to move the ball forward, require the DHS to, to create an electronic employment eligibility confirmation modeled after E-Verify to make sure that all employers are only hiring, you know, the appropriate employees. These are all in a bill called the Secure the Border Act passed by the Republican House. HR2. It was right. done 12... 12, 13 months ago, the Republicans were dealing with this issue. Chuck Schumer did nothing to the bill. And now, because it's become so humongous, this problem at the border, now Senate Democrats are freaking out, and they got a few sucker Republicans to sign off on a really, really bad bill. My prediction, this bill goes nowhere. This bill, this immigration deal is going to get torpedoed. Trust me. I just cannot see it. I agree. Speaker Johnson and uh, how Majority Leader Scalise are saying this is not going anywhere in the House. And therefore, I think this doesn't even I'd be surprised if it even gets a vote in the Senate. Yeah, but I guess the unfortunate reality of this is all this goes on while the problem still remains a huge problem. And uh, what will happen, Tom? What do you think will happen? I say that the, the Democrats will blame the Republicans for the defeat <laughs> of this bill saying, oh, they wanted it to fail because they wanted to have this as an issue in the election. Oh when in gosh. fact, we passed the bill, uh, an immigration reform bill, 12 months ago. And it's so, been waiting for the Senate Democrats to do something about it. So Yeah, and that has oh, to be happy, the response. Happy birthday, Josh. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I, get to, I, think, I get to celebrate with, you know, 11 more, million more people. So that's pretty cool. There you go. Bigger um, party. So, <laughs> Bigger Democrat party. Um, yeah. So uh, Nighthawk, if you want to pull up the the PG Keenan tweet, uh, which we we have many internal fans of PG Keenan's work. I did an interview with her a little while back for the Loopcast, which was a lot of fun. But I think what this is kind of what it gets into here, because this bill most likely not going to go anywhere. Politicians are going to blame each other. I mean, that's kind of the game, right? But I think when you reach a personal level, maybe talking to friends or relatives or seeing discourse online. Uh, any the the conversation about secure border policy becomes one of, well, you're not Christian, you're not being Christian, and I've even seen people use this already with this bill that got released last night, which of course is a garbage bill, but people opposing that are not Christian, they don't care about people, this and that, and uh, oh, you kind of exposed me there. I, I gave a little shout out to Catholic vote uh, in the comments of this, but basically for the audio listeners, this tweet is the only Catholics allowed to politicize Catholicism are left wing Catholics. The rest get the and you call yourself a Christian retort. And we all have internal thoughts about this for sure. This is something that comes up almost ad nauseum. But uh, Josh and Erica, what, what would you say back to someone, uh, you know, if they still, I guess, are taking this, you're not being Christian retort to heart at this point? Yeah. I'm like, what define happens? your terms. Define your terms. That's where I go. I'm like, what does it mean to be a Christian? 
what does it mean to have love and welcoming as you know a loving and welcoming attitude towards our brothers and sisters well it doesn't mean like just go watch the footage coming across from the border go read the reports of human trafficking and exploitation go and you know watch the documentaries about mothers whose children have died from fentanyl that they got through these cartels coming across the border what is christian here is it to just say they all come across. We give them what they want. I mean, I want to point out too, Peachy also earlier in that thread, or I think it was a separate post maybe, she pointed out that this bill here, this comprehensive reform also sends a billion dollars, a billion. Nearly, e. nearly. 933. Oh, yeah, right. Nine, oh, sorry. It's like maybe something at the grocery store like 399 that goes to these Christian charities like Catholic Charities, Lutheran Information and Refugee Services, Church World Services. So right. you have to ask a question whether or not like, uh, is it at least possible that the recipients of these might have some sort of, I don't know, perhaps biased opinion on the, on the efficacy of this, this kind of legislation? Are they motivated in any way? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they just honestly love doing this and they just don't mind getting gobs of cash uh, from the taxpayers for it. but. Maybe right. that and I think that the, the biggest response, thinking. right, the biggest response to these accusations that somehow it's not Christian to want to do something about a sovereign state's borders. I think the biggest response is to just like line up the facts and like, let's look at what's actually happening instead of speaking in platitudes and vagaries, which is what our government does with these massive bills, just these vague, like, oh, blah, blah. but if actually go and drill down and investigate what is actually happening there at the border. I mean, we just had this story come out this weekend that these, it was at five, these five illegal immigrants who beat up cops in New York City, they were let out without bail. They're let out uh, from jail without bail for beating up these cops. We know they did it. They say they do it. And as, as he's leaving the jailhouse, one of them flips off the camera with a double bird there. And where, yeah. what happens? What happened from there? They walked themselves to a faith-based Catholic charity. We do not know which one yet. We're trying to find it out, so looking for leads. They walked themselves to a Catholic charity in New York City, which pays for their bus tickets for them to flee to California, to Southern California. So these guys just get a free trip to Southern Could California just go a little out bit of the more state. south and get them on the other side of the border. What an idea! Well, maybe that. I mean, hope they're just going back. But it's just yeah, that's unlikely. if that's what our faith-based charities are doing with this billion, almost a billion dollars, then we need some serious like. What does it mean to be faith-based? <laughs> and I, I, I don't, don't want to be this. associated with that. It drives me crazy. What are, are other countries around the world browbeaten and, and scolded into having no borders because you know and and Christianity is invoked against not them? Ukraine? Yes, yes, they are. Uh, the the EU, the entire EU operates like that. They basically yeah. I mean, it's, it's just it's bizarre. It's like and and what is the end game here? Like like what about all these advocates of um, illegal immigration. I think it's just wonderful to have an open border. May, see, now, I thought it was pretty interesting. Governor Abbott has been, changed the game here in the conversations, and so did Governor DeSantis, by taking so many of these illegal immigrants and sending them into Chicago and into New York. And it was only then that we had people go, wow, that's kind of a, now suddenly it's not just something distant where I can signal how virtuous I am. Now I actually have to deal with it. And they displace kids from, you know, 
high schools and gymnasiums. Oh, can't use your gym anymore. Sorry, we're housing illegal immigrants. And like I said, at O'Hare, where they just take over an entire terminal for illegal immigrants. But I see, I think we need to do this another step further. So like we should, again, we should go to like the rich suburbs of Washington, D.C., like McLean, you know, and Chevy Chase and put a bunch of illegal immigrants in those neighborhoods and see maybe that they'll get their attitudes changed a little bit. Yep. You know, know, like that's a great idea. (laughs) And and it's like, you know, the idea they, they make it seem like it's immoral to prevent entry at all times. Like, so if someone comes down the block in my neighborhood and says, um, I'm hungry, you know, and I'd be like, oh, well, you know, here's a hamburger or something like that. Sure. He goes, no, actually, um, let me into your house and let me sleep here forever. It's like, yeah, buddy, I, I've got six kids. I'm not going to let some stranger off the street into my house. So, but apparently that's the way the left works. It's like anyone who can come into your country and you have no ability to say no. Like, why is that? Why is every other country get to be a country, but not mine? We're just a, a parking really- lot. We're just a migrant farm for the rich. Like, this is so stupid. There's a really old video that someone made as a prank where in Australia, they dressed up as indigenous people. And then they went up to someone's apartment building that had a sign like, we are on indigenous land. Like, this is <laughs> I borrowed, not, not, we don't own it. And so they walked up and knocked yeah, on the door like, borrowed, hey, yeah. we're, we're, we're indigenous people. And we were just thinking maybe we could come back and have some food to hang out, maybe stay here a few, f- few nights. I don't know. And the people at the door, of course, are kind of like, uh, like, <laughs> I don't think that's what that means. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, that was a classic. That's an old one. But, uh, yeah, I think I think we need to switch the vibe up right now. Very frustrating what's mm-hmm. going on there. But, uh, we need to switch the vibe up. We saw a an article. First off, uh, shout out to Cece Pappas. She has been shouting out the podcast a few times. We appreciate it. Uh, she's doing a lot of great work. Uh, I, I, she has a death grip on Catholic women from like 20 to 35. Maybe I've not met, uh, or like my wife will never stop. You know, she's always sharing what's going on. So shout out to CC Pappas. But anyway, she was interviewed for this article from the standard The article is titled holier than thou the rise of Gen Z Catholicism. And while some people have thought that Erica is Gen Z, uh, <laughs> she indeed is not. It is me who is Gen Z. Surprise, surprise. Josh, we found out his real age today. Happy birthday again. Well, and but, it, it, they think you're like, you know, 20. They think Erica's <laughs> like 30. And they think this guy's like the old guy, like pushing, you know, social security <laughs> age or whatever. So it's I just, just it's because you're so wise, though. You're so wise. <laughs> and the you're, you're always right on the predictions. Real. Yeah. So. Uh, but basically, I thought this was a really interesting article. Yeah. Uh, it, of course, features Sabrina Carpenter here with her very blasphemous music video that she uh, filmed in a Brooklyn Catholic church. Uh, notice what's going on behind her. It was not one with green carpet or spacious yeah, like architecture. On a retread here, right? I mean, like, yeah. it's not even that imaginative. Yeah. So, but basically, the article was about how specifically there is a fascination with the Latin Mass when it comes to. Gen Z Catholics, young Catholics. The author said she was raised Catholic. I think similar to maybe like Martin Scorsese, where he says that he has the imprint of Catholicism, as they say, the scent of incense, but not practicing. But if they're asked if they're Catholic, they'll say, yes, I am Catholic. But she was interviewing people who are actually Catholic and Gen Z. And a lot of these people came back to the church um, after basically trying out, I think, everything else that the world offered. I think what's so interesting about who she interviewed, she was talking to someone that basically said, um, I'm really, I was really attracted to 
the Latin Mass because it is identical no matter where I go. And everyone talks about the, the Catholic Church being universal. Uh, and you get a, an interesting flavor when it comes to Novus Ordo Masses. But with this Latin Mass, it's like it is exactly the same uh, if I go to it in a different country, go to it in America. And I, I actually do just like and from an anecdotal standpoint, I think they're I don't know if Pope Francis knows this is going on, but the more that you kind of persecute something and make it a little risque, I think the more attractive it kind of becomes. Like there's uh-huh. just some Reverse type of psychology. human psychology there where it's like, <laughs> ooh, it's a little bit of a bad boy secretive. Like this is a little restricted. And so like, of course like you get the, the natural fascination. Like the mugshot at Trump, you're saying? Ex- exactly. Like the mugshot <laughs> at Trump. Um, but people basically were just saying, uh, you know, there's there's something really different going on here. Of course, the wisdom offered is different than the wisdom of the times. We're talking about an organization that offers uh, the advice to stay monogamous and in a committed relationship, be open to children, as opposed to the secular message where sleep with whoever you want, don't have kids, do whatever you want. I think people are really finding a, a purpose in the wisdom that comes with it and a real challenge. And I think that's really okay. attractive to people. Can I tee off a second here? Tee off, Josh. That, that, that statement right there, it transcends no matter where you are. I think that's so true. I think that's cutting into a, a big part about why people like the Latin Mass. And again, I don't go to Latin Mass myself. I'm just trying to just help people understand and send transcendental chance. Again, what is it? The, the biggest problem I would say with the current nervous order mass is that it's just kind of bland and it kind of, you know, it doesn't really move you. There's no highs and lows. It's just kind of like, and all that you get out of it is what everyone who bring comes there brings to it, which is why like the transcendental nature of the Latin mass, what they're talking about there with the chants and like the reverence that's brought to it, it you feel like you're getting something out of it because there's something more than just what you and everyone else who's there brings to it. It almost feels like you're getting a piece of God coming down and giving it to you rather than just meeting together for a supper club. So I think that's what's getting at it. Can you still yeah. worship God in the Norvis Order Mass? Yes, of course. We have, we have an update. We have an update. Sorry. Someone emailed in saying that they really like the show, especially Erica, which is, of course, no surprise. But they took Thank issue you. with you, Josh. They said every time <laughs> you bring up the TLM, uh, every time Josh speaks about something related to traditional Catholicism or the TLM itself, he always makes it abundantly clear he is not a trad, that he doesn't go to Latin Mass, and basically gives the impression that he finds it distasteful. I Josh, I, I'm pretty sure that's not how you think. I, I would like you just clear the air. We've had someone email in. Clear All the right. air. I, am, I, I don't go to the traditional Latin Mass because my wife doesn't like it so much and whatever. So I think it's okay. I like it. I'm trad curious. But uh, <laughs> I find out once you become part of the TLM, people then just they, they crank up how much more. You've got to do it this way. you got to do it that way. And, and it, they just kind of get into a fever pitch on it. I like going to it. I like enjoy it. So my whole point is why do I say that when I bring that up? I'll explain. Precisely because the people who attack the traditional Latin mass, they, they say, oh, well, you're just stuck in this and that, and that stuff like that. I'm not defending it for my own ability to go is my whole point. Like I have, I remember when I, in my twenties and in in, in my thirties or whatever, how much people would persecute those who went to the Latin mass. And I just thought to myself, if this is something that they like, and it brings them closer to God, then just let them do it. Why the vitriol? Like I saw so many bishops get so angry at people who went to the traditional Latin mass. And I'm like, what is up with it? 
it just felt like it, they that these bishops had a visceral emotional reaction like oh my gosh we're done with this we had this in the 50s and 60s and we're done i don't want to go back to this it's a very childish emotional reaction that is now best represented by pope francis he's the one who's doing that now he's having this childlike emotional negative reaction to it and it's like it boggles my mind and it's like to me it was like if there if there was a, a certain tribe in africa that had practiced catholicism a, a certain way for like 1300 1700 years or something like that and it was a little goofy maybe some drums and but it was nothing immoral right and it brought people closer to god people would be like well that's the way the people in ethiopia do it let them do it everyone would be totally okay with it but if people do the traditional latin mass which has been going on for i don't know five six seven hundred years how many ever years and people freak out in such a negative way so i am saying it this way as a person who is defending something i have i'm defending people who want to who just should be able to worship god this way without being yelled at screamed at and persecuted and i time i go yes i go to the light mess sometimes too but it's not my thing whatever okay now so, that now that it's cleared yeah. up we want the star of the show erico <laughs> my hot take on Latin mass. and this this article and gen z yeah i mean it's kind of along the same lines as josh our family goes we have the gift of a very reverent novus ordo really close to us. We have a TLM up the road too. Um, I've sent my kids, one of my approaches to TLM is like, it's the the language of the different rites of the church is so mutually enriching and beautiful, not only for your like personal prayer life. So it's not like it's a personal, like, oh, I like this aesthetic of the Melkites. So that's where I go. Or, you know, that would, that's just like a super American thing to do, but that it's mutually enriching historically and for the church as a whole. So something we've really tried to do intentionally as parents is bring our kids two different rites in the church. So when we lived in Atlanta, we went to a Byzantine rite for that year. We went like once a month, we go to the Byzantine rite. And I've sent my kids, I sent my daughters to Morningstar Camp, which is run by a, an order that is in union with Rome. But one of their apostolates, one of their charisms is the preservation of the older rite. And so they do Latin mass there. And I think when you come at it, when you come at these different rights, like a child, instead of like the manager of some big corporation, which unfortunately is how a lot of our church bureaucracy seems to approach these different rights, um, when you come at it as a child who loves God and wants to worship God in communion with others, then you see the beauty of it. You're open to the beauty of that diversity, which I, I think it's so this was another thing like the Latin mass was just recently suppressed in New Haven and everyone's told, well, you can drive up to Waterbury, Connecticut. Well, for some people, that's like an hour long drive. They live in a city. Not all of them even have cars, but it's like, we're just going to shut it down to be in keeping with Pope Francis. And <clears throat> um, it was really hurtful to that community because they, the approach was not to treat them as a community of persons who are enriched by this it was just, this is a problem. It's not in line with the current papacy. And so we're just shutting you down and you have this other option, which isn't really an option practically for a lot of families and people. Um, so it's again, like if we could, <laughs> if we could all just get along, I'm sounding so kumbaya and motherly, right? Am I doing, this is a motherly vibe. But again, I think that it's, it would be Erica, jo Josh is fighting people in the YouTube comments right now. During I can see it. Speech, I'm watching it as I'm talking. Life. I'm like, Josh is having his own life and conversation. Even you when you're talking. You 
you know, kid, kids in their cell phones these days. Jeez, Josh can't even pay attention to his co-host. I listened to what she was saying, and she was obviously multitasking, more interested in what I was saying than what she was saying herself. I mean, that's oh my not my gosh. fault. All right, Josh, stop fighting people in the comments fault. right now. Uh, Erica, would you like to wrap up your point respectfully? Yeah, can I can I respectfully wrap up my point? Yeah, yeah it's like just have more respect. No, but again, <laughs> some people thought that this particular article was like slamming and dunking on the TLM or Catholicism, but I actually found it to be really just, you know, a former Catholic taking another look back at like, okay, I left the church. Why are so many people in my generation attracted to this like form of worship and and just a really thoughtful kind of outsider's view. Um, I hope that the author of this article, I think her name's Emily, I hope she comes back. I hope that she continues to pursue this line of questioning because it's a really interesting read. So bottom line, go read the article, get an outsider's view. And for heaven's sake, stop shutting down the Latin mass, Bishop. Um, my Catherine of Siena moment for the day. Thank you for that, Erica. Okay. And this this live format is going to be a challenge for keeping Josh from fighting people. Um, He's having okay, fun. Stop. Stop. Josh, exercise. stop. Josh, you can mute yourself and go into the comments again. But you, again, as someone from personal experience, being of this demographic, maybe speaking to what's going on, I think I can speak for myself, but I, Gen Z, I think generally growing up with the internet, growing up with cell phones, growing up with social media, we've had to basically become trained and being really good BS detectors, misinformation, if you will, uh, because we have so much information. The new skill isn't trying to get the information. It's basically trying to determine which information is true and false. And I think it's made people, given people a really low bar in my age group for nonsense. Like we have a really good bar for nonsense. The one thing, and I, I'm sure other people can maybe speak to this as well, is that during COVID, which churches didn't stop administering the Eucharist? Which churches mm -hmm. didn't shut down? They were all TLM parishes. Just saying. I think there were some maybe That's out there went. that were not uh, that didn't shut down. But basically, hands tied. A lot of people just said, "Well, we're not going to have mass. We're not going to administer the Eucharist." Probably the greatest Catholic scandal um, of my time, outside of, of course, the ch church abuse crisis. I don't want to speak to that. And of course, another thing I'd like to say on that: I see a lot of people more upset about the TLM than I do about literal pedophiles in our church right now which is just unbelievable. I mean, the fact that we still have uh, uh, the art art guy, Rupnik, he, his art's still everywhere right now. We have a guy in Belgium who is still a bishop that abused right. two of his nephews. I yeah. mean, we're talking about a papacy that really has not taken the abuse crisis seriously, and that's extremely frustrating to me. And that's what we, of course, you get the division on TLM, but that's what we should all really be frustrated and focusing on rooting out. But yeah, COVID. I mean, I my, my I parents now go to a traditional Latin mass, because it was the only place that never stopped. They didn't brag about it and they weren't fighting authority. They just didn't stop. They didn't make a big deal about it. They're like, look, we're going to do what we've always done for thousands of years. We're going to administer the Eucharist. We're going to say mass. And I think that won a lot of people over. And from a BS, BS detector perspective, when I went to a church where they rolled out plexiglass blast shields, took the Eucharist like it was a cracker and handed it under the blast shield while wearing a mask and hand sanitizer everywhere, like these people are unserious and they don't actually care about the truth and or our faith. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, uh, I'm not going back to certain places ever again. Um, and I have to say yeah. that TLM did a great job of continuing what's always been done and being faithful to the Catholics that really needed that service. So, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's, not just, it's not just that you grew up in the Internet. Part of the thing about the Internet, what that point is, is that there's un, there's no filters. You didn't have to go through. So people 
the people who are supporting the traditional light mass could use the internet to try to expose people. Hey, have you ever thought about worshiping this way? And they're able to reach people that way. And so that's the biggest thing about the internet that why our, our elites hate the internet is because it gives the access of everyday people to, to share stuff, sometimes goofy stuff, sometimes weird stuff, conspiracy stuff. Sure. But just you have unfiltered access. You don't go only through the official channels, you know, of corporate media or whatever. And so people are able to share things. Have you ever seen this? Have you ever done this? And so that's actually kind of an exciting time that we live in. And of course, you know, the elites in Washington absolutely hate it. Yeah. Okay. Moving on from that. Uh, so this is something that I actually want to become more a regular part of our programming. And this is cool to do live with the chat here as well. So just so you know, uh, we're going to call it this, the Erica electric vehicle saga. Uh, Erica used one of Not her Twilight again. Zone slots. To... <laughs> We're still going on electric vehicles. Um, not specifically electric vehicles, but more segment point. So she used one of her slots to basically reveal some frustrations she had about electric vehicles and the government policy that pushes them and the fact that they failed her in a time of need when literally needed to get into the airport, being very pregnant. Uh, understandable. Uh, so we had a listener, Sue, who clearly put a lot of time uh, into a rebuttal, basically saying, Erica, uh, did you know about this? Did you know about that? Very well researched, very well written, very respectful. And so I read it. I, I, I read it on the podcast. I actually really appreciated that she read it in. And honestly, how I think about it from our end of the screen is we sometimes say things quick because we got to fit it in, or maybe we didn't explain it in a way that everyone understands. So when people email in like that respectfully, it gives us a good opportunity to, to further clarify our points or sharpen our arguments or maybe learn something new. So I thought it was really cool that she took the time to do that. And so Erica, of course, responded in uh, deftly, may I say. Mm. And so Sue Great actually word. wrote back in and I'd like to read the response. I just want to say, again, we appreciate you, Sue. Uh, she said, hi, Tom. I just finished listening to the segment and wanted to thank you for your compliments and time. I spent a lot of time putting that together and I was surprised by how thoroughly you listed out my points. I think a lot of people wouldn't have taken the time to do that. So thank you. I still have points I would like to make in rebuttals to some of the points y'all made, but I appreciate you guys giving my position a fair representation. Funnily enough, I totally agree with the point that the government shouldn't mandate the transition to EVs. I think that is honestly a disservice to EVs because they absolutely can sell based on their own merits without the government getting involved. I also think there are still a lot of use cases that EVs have not solved yet, such as towing, which is a big problem with EVs at the moment, and I'm hopeful for the future. Basically, all this to say... Uh, if you guys have things that you want to hear clarifications on or uh, have an argument you'd like to present to us, I actually really love, I'm a little weird. I love reading them. I think it's just a great it's opportunity super fun. for us to interact. It's really yeah. refreshing and fun. So uh, and shout out to Sue again, man. And if you guys have stuff, email in. I agree with Jan in the comments. I will get a horse before I get an email. <laughs> <laughs> My kids would love it if I went back to horses. They're like, can I have a horse, mom? Like, no, nope, not in Connecticut. I don't know how I'm going to get six kids out of a horse, but we'll see. <laughs> jo so Josh Mercer, again, in the, Josh. in the comments here, ridiculous. I don't even know how much he listened to that. I mean, seriously, dude. Like, this is like, we might I need to. That photo is any gray <laughs> in the beard. <laughs> <laughs> Update. Yeah. So uh, again, if you want to participate in the fun too, if you're listening to this on podcast, uh, we are going to be live every Monday, noon Eastern. I've been yelled at a few times by producers. You need to tell people when you're going to be live. I'm like, that's a good point. Noon Eastern time, every Monday, we will be live. We will be on YouTube. Come hang out with us. It's a lot of fun. If not, thanks for listening. We appreciate all our listeners. Uh, you want to subscribe on YouTube, help us out, like it, uh, give us a review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Those things all really help. 
Uh, so uh, yes, I'm saying that producer Nighthawk, you're welcome. Uh, do what I can. So uh, we move now into Twilight Zone. Josh, I think you had something about bounce houses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I mean, I, this is a phenomenon. I can't even grasp. I don't understand this. So in Washington D.C. of all places, of course, silly town that it is. They now have adult playgrounds and bounce houses that, and you can jump into, you know, like at Chuck E. Cheese, they have those yeah, things we gotta you see dive, where you can dive into like the pit full of all those little balls or whatever and play. So I, I, I can't even believe this. I mean, it's one thing to have the hip new bars where you can throw axes. Like, okay, that's kind of cool. I'm a Viking <laughs> like that. Okay. Bouncy houses. Bouncy houses. So you bring, oh, you bring fun, your kids here. Well, People in D.C. are married to their jobs. They don't care about having kids hardly. And so, no, these are adult uh, bouncy houses, play spaces for adults. <laughs> Is this just boggles my mind? Josh, you, you haven't levied any significant criticisms. All you've basically said is like, okay, bounce houses and it boggles your mind. Like, what, what's your problem with adults having a little bit of fun after drafting up some legislation for the border? So I remember I was in college and a couple of my friends were like, hey, do you want to play some video games? I'm like, what? Video games? I'm 20 years old. I'm playing video games. Like, let's go out and like have some fun or whatever. And then they're like, we're going to go to, you know, Cedar Point, the amusement park. I'm like, what are you, 15? Like, <laughs> what? I'm like, no, I'm not going to a, a playground. I mean, what are you uh, Josh, what are you ever going to do? I love, can I just say to you, I love the line in this article where it's like, there's no need to feel cringe about the adult baby life. I'm like, there's no need that, to yes, feel Yes, absolutely. Yes, like, you need to feel cringy. Yeah. So See, like, this is grown- a good reason. Okay, back to the whole like have more kids resolution from the Yale debate last week. I mean, the one, a good reason to have children is because then you can go play games at things like bouncy houses great- and it's not cringe. You could, you take your kid, right? Like, Pogo, take your son. Yes. You can go do kid things and get have the relaxation, and it's not weird. I was, like, I was hanging out with my, take uh, off. my 10-year-old uh, sister-in-law, Yeah, and we were, we were watching movies. I forgot how good animated movies are. Like, What a great excuse to watch animated movies. Josh, the I'm Incredibles? sure you're going to yeah. come from the clouds about how animation's ridiculous and enjoying animated movies are not fun. Well, but, you watch it with your kids, like the incredible watch it with children, and it's it. fun. All right, good. I'm glad you're not anti uh movies. However, I, mean, like, I do this... draw the line. Josh, wait it... one second, one second, one second. You can you can argue in the comments with people for a second. Uh right. if uh there is an adult Facebook group uh called Bluey Adults. Are you familiar with Oh Bluey? no, I we watch Bluey ad nauseum. Do you want me to sing it to oh, you? Oh my god, no, thank you. But there is a Facebook group where adults get tattoos of Bluey, the animated cartoon for children, no. and they watch it and enjoy it themselves and like break apart the episodes and everything like that. It's real. It's I promise you, look it up. Nighthawk can probably find it if he wants to, but I don't even know if you want to go down that dark hole in the internet. But yes, there are Bluey adults out there and they really I believe are it. in that group showing off their tats. So Yeah, Josh, I think the whole... Like, oh, sorry. Go, Josh, it's I was like the Bronies in. phenomenon. least these adult men dressed and they're fans of my little pony. And, and you're like, I want to deport you more than the, the 11 people, <laughs> million people that came across the border illegally. Like this I is lost my water. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. Oh then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh no. This, yes. This was great. Yeah. Check out the screen. <laughs> A case for sleeping with stuffed animals as an adult. I'm, I just, I just, I'm trying to, I'm holding back, but it's like, 
if I were on a spaceship, these are the people who make it through the airlock. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, this is insane. Are you kidding me? New and then you get done with the adult playground, and at the end, they're like, adult babies. This is what they're they're calling these people going to these play these playgrounds. Adult babies need nourishment. The perfect excuse to make sugar your entire meal at one of these cereal bar chains where you go to a, a restaurant to get cereal. It's like you're too dang lazy to go to the grocery store and buy a $5 box of sugar bombs. You got to go out to eat and get a cinnamon toast crunch somewhere. I mean, this is like unbelievable to me. I mean, uh, Jim Gaffigan made it, made the funny joke. Like, yeah, I guess I'll go down the street to a subway because I can't make a sandwich in my own apartment. You know, <laughs> But these people can't even eat cereal. Josh, how, Josh, you need difficult. some water, dude. I uh, mean, if, just, I, if I could just wrap crazy. this up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the TLM is a problem for man. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Ann. Shout out, Ann, for real. Someone said that. Uh, someone said that they turn on their podcast right after the Angelus. How great is that, Janice? Oh, thank you. Janice. Hopefully, you pray for us when you do pray the Angelus. That's a woman uh, who has her priorities straight. Angelus, then Josh, and then we That's have right. uh, we have Brian. <laughs> He said he's a fan of Josh and rant mode. I'm nodding over here, Josh. It's the well, only thing that don't he could encourage do him, to Brian. keep from interacting with you guys Here's in the, the thing, conversation. Though, what we're seeing in our culture today is, you know, the babification of adults and trying to pretend like a, a children are adults. You know, it's getting both things a whack. So we're introducing porn books to kids right. in grade school, and then we're having adults with sleeping with teddy bears and going to the, you know, eating cereal and going to these goofy playhouses. It's like, give me a break. Stay in your lane, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. New, new section of the podcast unlo uh, unlocked, making Josh angry about things that are fun uh, for children. <sighs> so, but unfortunately okay. we now have to move on. That it's was not just fun. Brian, Cheryl and Jan, they were with me too. On this. <laughs> you have a little yeah, army in the comment section here of, of your followers. Uh, Erica, you have a twilight zone though. Yeah, I'm gonna bring it down a notch here. This is a little bit, a little more disturbing, but it's also about things that are out of whack. And this is our Department of Justice. So last week, uh, we got a sentence for this guy from Ohio named Amon Penny, and the DOJ had been prosecuting him, uh, making a pretty big deal about it. Like, this was a big story for them that, oh, look. We do prosecute people who vandalize churches. So this 20-year-old guy, he pled guilty last fall to hate crime charges, which are super serious under the Church Arson Prevention Act. And the, the DOJ just recently, he has been sentenced to 216 months in prison with three additional years of supervised release. Now, why did Penny go after this church? And why is the DOJ so darn proud of its success? Well, because... Penny targeted the church, according to the charges. He threw two, he wanted to throw two Molotov cocktails because he was angry that the church's plan was to host two drag events, which were marketed to children. And so he goes after this church uh, in Ohio the, that was promoting LGBT and welcoming and blah, blah, blah by hosting drag events. So, of course, the DOJ was fervently prosecuting. Penny. Meanwhile, the other news that we covered on this show last week is that we had the Tennessee Six, right? These pro-life activists who go and, uh, you know, according to their lawyers, no laws were broken. They're singing hymns outside of an abortion clinic. 
and those guys are getting the book thrown at them. And it's, we also like during this Biden administration, and again, we've covered this so often, we've had over 350 attacks on Catholic churches by groups like Jane's Revenge, who go after places for their pro-life or pro-family traditional sexuality, sexuality doctrine. And it's just been a shrug and a yawn, to quote our friend Tom McCluskey on the Hill. It's been a shrug and a yawn from the Biden administration. But when the church is hosting drag shows and some guy goes after it, they are more than happy to throw the book at him. I mean, they closed this down in, in basically two years, start to finish. Um, and one of the one of the comments uh, at a recent testimony uh, by director FBI director Chris Ray, and again, this was echoing Merrick Garland over a year ago, saying, "Well, these pro life people they tend to do things in the daytime and out in the open." And and that's then a direct, these that's a direct quote, by the way. That that's not a direct a That's a direct quote. quote. That's so not we Erica. Can't get them because they, they do things out in the open, at, so the we can get them. Right, right. Yeah. And I'm like, since when did the FBI have a trouble with night vision? I mean, <sighs> they can't even lie effectively. It's like, <laughs> right. I know. So again, two-tiered justice system. And for anyone out there who is still like, I don't know if I can vote in this election. Trump is such a bad man. Biden's such a bad man. I'm just going to sit this one out. Well, okay. So you've got these two, two guys. We've got an option. We have a binary, right? A binary to use the, the, the term that is not allowed. But you have a binary choice. One of these very bad men, let's just grant them the premise, right? One of these very bad men resulted in the overturn of Roe v. Wade the lowest border crossings numbers ever, strong economy minus the whole COVID thing. The other guy, we end up with this DOJ that is prosecuting pro-lifers and targeting Catholics um, and with shamelessly with a two-tiered justice system. We have, we have the side-by-side -side guys. You can't sit this one out because your choice actually will affect how your kids are able to live in this country and your grandkids and on down the line. So there's no and sitting this one out. And it's the, you know, both Biden and Trump, neither one of them can serve more than one more term. So mm -hmm. whoever gets elected, if it's Biden, he serves four more years and then he can't serve anymore. Same with Trump. They'll be terminated it out. So it's not like, oh, if you let that guy in, he might go eight years. No, they're both or can only have one more term, people. Exactly. Which one do you want? Which one do you want? Word. Okay. So I, I got a ride along for us, uh, Nighthawk. If you want to pull up, uh, if anyone's been curious about what it's like to cross from the United States to Mexico, uh, someone did it. So I, I keep talking about this guy, uh, Andrew Callahan, Channel 5 News, his YouTube channel. He He's doing stuff that I'm not seeing anyone else doing. Basically, before we start this video, he uh, went to Eagle Pass, got in touch with someone that said they would take him across to Mexico, and then he was going to do a ride-along with cartels to uh, see their route in person, take their route in person into the U.S., which is just wild. I mean, wow. nerve-wracking, dangerous, Amazing. all the above. I mean, Super this guy, dangerous. there's nowhere this guy's not going. It's crazy. But this doesn't include the full ride-along, but there was a moment in here that I was just like, I need to share this with people. It was an insane watch. This is them crossing to Mexico. Go ahead and play it for me. Nighthawk. Toll booth with two attendants who barely notice us. It's pretty crazy how easy it is for us to cross. Yep. <laughs> And you got a dollar, you're good. Cheddar gives a teller one U.S. dollar, and the border opens. Thank you. So we're now basically entering Mexico, and it was that easy. That easy, bro. When, once we get to the end of this bridge, there is like a little hut you go through, but right. they don't check for ID. They don't. They don't pat you down. Nothing. 
They don't check for ID. They don't check for ID at all. But then oh on the other God. hand, is that a Border Patrol boat? Yeah. So that's the Rio Grande right there. Huh? Yep. I look, they're getting married right now. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Hey, congratulations! <laughs> oh my god! What? Yeah, they're getting married on the bridge, what? so so he or she gets her citizenship. What? So, yes, that's how it works. Well, some say it's the right way to come into the country. Others argue it's an immigration loophole as they exchange vows and say "I do" at the doorstep of our border. So one of them is probably a f like full Mexican citizen, and one of them does have U.S papers so one of them marrying the other allows the other to now become a u.s citizen 30 seconds after witnessing the fascinating border marriage me and cheddar arrived in mexico and entered the plaza where the coyotes said they'd be waiting all right so we're in mexico now we're in mexico at first we couldn't find them oh shit this i think these fools are over here bro <laughs> then in the corner of the plaza we Sorry saw three that. dudes one with a gold chain and two others i wasn't quite sure all right you but can i think these are my guys so a couple of doctors and lawyers there. Yeah. yeah. So the guys he meets up with, he later finds, I think one was 18 years old and the other was 17. Oh He's my coyotes. gosh. And they're like, we're not even the youngest people doing it. Like there's 13 and 14 year olds doing it. But I just was like, I, I was kind of locked in, you know, nervous for him basically going to Mexico. And all of a sudden they passed two people getting married. They're like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> These people get married on the bridge so that they could become citizens. Oh my gosh. This is such a joke. And he oh pays a dollar and there's no ID check to yeah. get into. I'm like, what? And meanwhile, I'm like all worried about getting was my to get into passport Mexico. so we can I go into, into Canada. Mexico. Like, oh the, my gosh. Well, you can, get, you can get into the U.S. for free, theoretically. Yeah, seriously. Um, right. I was going to yeah, save myself hundred bucks. It's interesting that he, he was focusing on Eagle Pass because it isn't Eagle Pass actually previous to all of this wasn't very well known. I think it was in No Country for Old Men was where mm -hmm. it may have become famous. Uh, but other than that, kind of a small city, not really much going on. And it kind of became a when when they started putting in more border impediments at bigger cities, uh, this became kind of the highlight spot for coyotes to get people over. And they were talking about right. They're making, I think it's like three, four thousand dollars a person to just get them over the border. But then right. after that, they have another package that's like five thousand dollars to get people into Austin. Um, but it was actually really hard to watch the video in some points because uh, they were talking about how many children die in the Rio Grande because yeah. most people coming from uh, like third world countries, they don't know how to swim. Like we take for granted in America that we all know how to swim. Uh, most countries actually don't know how to swim populations from there. So they'll get taken away by undercurrents and the coyotes just watch them go down. And uh, they said- And another, a river is definitely different than just being on a beach. You oh, know. totally. Yeah. yeah. And they were saying another underappreciated member, uh, uh, underappreciated part about the border patrol is that they actually save uh, so many lives. Uh, so not only are they trying to keep people out, but they're just trying to like, if they see someone floating away, they'll pick them up. Like there's a lot of video footage of them saving their lives, risking their own lives to save people from drowning. Yeah. Um, I think it might be just a good full circle after watching that video, after our conversation of like, we have our politicians that we elected for solutions, uh, grandstanding and blaming each other and not getting anything done. Well, the current system, the the easiest and most incentivized way to become an American is to have to cross this Rio Grande River where kids and women, adults are drowning. Mm -hmm. um, right. And they make you feel guilty when, in fact, Biden's open border policies are creating that 
magnet, that that horrible incentive to risk life and limb thousands of miles and crossing a dangerous river. And they make you feel guilty as a Christian saying, this doesn't seem like a sensible way to have our immigration laws. We actually have a very generous law that allows a million people come into this country perfectly legally every year. So we, we should have a border that's closed and only let people in who we want to. And they make you feel guilty. They say, mm -hmm. they throw the Bible in our face and say, oh, aren't you going to welcome the stranger? So and in fact, yeah. they're the ones who have dead bodies on their hands, blood if, on their hands. If I may, because I think we've nailed that point. Uh, we usually ended around here, but we just got in a comment. We were going to talk about it. We just, I guess it didn't fit in the flow of the conversation. But uh, Jan, uh, you said this and I don't want you to feel bad for this, but you know, I've had a lot of other people say this and we really take issue with this statement. The statement being, I don't want to vote because I'm not sure it will really count or it'll be fair. We've heard many people for many reasons say that they're not going to vote. Uh, Josh, if you wanted to speak to that really quick, what would you say to people that are maybe feeling like, I don't know, on voting this election cycle? Joe Biden wants conservatives to think like this. He is begging, praying that a lot of conservatives will not vote because they think it's unfair. There have, is are, are there... Uh, people are there malicious bad actors who are stuffing the ballot box in certain places absolutely but does that mean we just roll over and just say let them take over our country no we fight we fight in the courts we fight in the ballot box and yes i'm going to show up and make sure i get my vote counted no, no matter what and then we still got to fight for it we got a part of the reason why we had more votes that were bad in 2020 was because we didn't have voter uh all these requirements and voting by mail creates a a horrible system of fraud. We need to vote early in person, get that vote to count. I absolutely, I, and yes, we need to win by enough of a margin that they can't steal it. Yeah. And I just, if I could just like piggyback on that, this is a question I really struggled with this, especially in the 2016 election. Um, I was, I was really feeling like I just can't vote for Trump and I obviously can't vote for Hillary. So like, what do I do? I did end up voting, but I think it's, it's something that I've learned a lot about since coming to work at Catholic vote is the importance of the, the whole ballot. So like, you're not just walking in somewhere or sending in a ballot with Trump v. Biden, but there's a whole score of people running for different offices uh, below them all the way down to the local level. And to say, well, I'm just going to sit this one out and not bother um, it's it's also giving up on that whole the whole of our government and your voice in it. And I would just encourage you to to show up and vote your conscience um, and be informed about it. Have an informed conscience, but show up and participate. Because again, like Josh said, they want you to give up and say, "Oh, it's a done deal. It's rigged. They're just going to win." So, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, and Amy Smith, volunteer at your ballot booth. Yes, go for it. Um, so yeah. I've been there. I felt that way, but don't let it stop you from participating um, in person in in uh, in our elections. Yes, and and Miguel, sorry, this is this is where I went off. But what Mexico is not doing? Yes, Miguel. Uh, in this video as well. Sorry, this is just like it's crazy that this guy went on this trip, but he was talking to cartels, or sorry, not the cartels. He was talking to these coyotes, and he was basically saying the hardest part for migrants to get past is Mexico because once they get there. They always get shaken down by the federales. It's extremely corrupt. Uh, they're exacerbating the problem, no doubt. Josh, uh, type it right now. I can hear you. Uh, <laughs> Called out. Uh, don't let the comments get you down. Good comment, Josh. <laughs> but yes, Mexico is a huge problem in this equation. Uh, a lot of the cartels are actually more powerful than the Mexican government right now, which is, of course, another problem. Uh, so yes, uh, I saw that point. And I was like, yes, in this video, it addresses that. 
I, I'd recommend go checking out. They did have a weird section about um, a, it's actually not a Catholic saint, uh, but many people in Mexico worship. I, I think he's actually like considered a demon by the Catholic church, but it's like the saint of death. I don't know if you've heard of it. There's a weird um, movement in Mexico. Santa Muerta. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they did have a section on that. So that was a little bit interesting, but it is real. It's I mean, a, people are. It's a corruption of Our Lady Guadalupe. They make ah. Our Lady Guadalupe look like the, uh, the death holding. They put the, the skull face, the Dia del Muerte. They put it. Yeah, Dia del Muerte. Yeah, yeah. That was that was what was and, going on. Uh, the Detroit Tigers uh, slugger Miguel Cabrera was uh, unfortunately uh, a devotee. So yeah, ah, interesting. Huh. Saint Michael, pray for us. Add in, add in Saint Michael to our litany there, Pogo. Yeah. But anyway. Tons of fun. If you'd like to join us next time, noon Eastern time, come hang out. We appreciate all you. Uh, you can fight Josh in the comment section. That's a lot of fun. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, we enjoy you guys so much. Uh, St. Saint Fidelis, St. Thomas More, and Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace. <laughs>